Welcome to Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I'm delighted to be joined by Neil Lozano. Teacher, pastoral counselor, Neil has been active in ministry for more than 35 years. Neil's ministry is helping people find freedom in Christ. An international speaker, Neil has led seminars and spoken at conferences throughout the world. He's the author of four books, Can God See Me in the Dark? Will You Bless Me? The Older Brother Returns, and Unbound, A Practical Guide to Deliverance. We're going inside the pages of Neil Lozano's book, Resisting the Devil, A Catholic Perspective on Deliverance, published by Our Sunday Visitor. Welcome, Neil. Uh, it's nice to be with you today, Chris. It is just a very compelling read, Resisting the Devil, A Catholic Perspective on Deliverance, because what I found that it's not quite what some may expect if they're expecting something that is mysterious and even provocative. I mean, really what you've written here is a story about conversion and the means to obtain that. Uh, that's correct. I, I stay away from the sensational and the, uh, the stories that cause people to focus on the devil and demons and so forth. A lot, a lot of people think that deliverance has to do with the devil, and I, I, uh, I always like to say that deliverance has to do with freedom, so much the devil. It's kind of like when, uh, when the people of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, the, the story is not about Pharaoh, the story is about the power of God setting them free. And that's that's precisely it. There is a difference between exorcism and deliverance ministry, isn't there? Absolutely. Um, exorcism is uh, defined in the catechism as a uh, public, uh, well, a liturgical rite uh, that, that only a priest can use with permission of a bishop. And it's very clear that the church uh, wants it to be rare and that it should be rare because it's only for cases of possession. And um, so we, we've got to really separate from uh, the images that come through uh, these cases of severe possession and start thinking of it in terms of uh, conversion, evangelism, you know, renewal of the heart, changing of the mind, uh, categories like that. You and your wife, Janet, have been involved in this type of deliverance ministry for several decades, haven't you? Uh, yes. In particular, Real Turning Point came in uh, 1986, uh, where we just learned a, a few key things that uh, enabled us to really make it something that's normal part of uh, growing in Christ and, and bring people to conversion. In 86, we, uh, we traveled to Poland and we did a week conference, and uh, we just learned everything that we had learned we actually learned by doing and from there uh, we went to the ukraine and i just got a i just got a report from father peter in the ukraine who is starting schools all throughout the ukraine in russia and different countries and uh, he went to a, a new community where he was uh, invited to present the idea of his school when he was talking about the school and they weren't very interested, but there was a case of someone that was going through deliverance that wasn't going so well. And so Father Peter said, well, let me just see if I can use the five keys that Neil Lozano taught us. And and uh, so they spent a little time with this person, and the person was set free. And and uh, and after that, the community really wanted to hear about the school and everything that they taught. So it's... it's uh, it, the seed's been planted, and it's growing in many, many different places. Well, we'll talk more about the Unbound model and 
as well as those five keys. But it, I think it's important to just remind those in the, the as proclaimed Christians, at the very, very least, that we do believe in that spiritual aspect, that spiritual realm in which, I mean, we stand up and we profess creeds and we renewal our baptismal vows, and we, we talk about the reality of forces that are unseen, that can affect us uh, as we're trying to heal and trying to deal with those things of the world that have harmed us in our own sinfulness. Yeah, that's correct. A lot of uh, (coughs) Orthodox Catholics believe in the spiritual world, the devil and evil spirits, but there isn't a place where they can... uh, a A lot of Catholics don't have a place to put it in their lives. And How does this really affect me or how can it affect me and what do I do about it uh, aside from uh, the, the, the the normal means of grace um, you know what do I do if uh, if I do feel oppressed or what do I do if I feel attacked at night or um, that there really is an evil spirit does it mean I need an exorcism and normally it doesn't mean you need an exorcism you, just need to understand some basic principles and have someone pray with you. Well, and that's the the great gift that you provide for us in resisting the devil, a Catholic perspective on deliverance, as published by our Sunday Visitor, that you chronicled throughout Scripture, uh, the teachings of the, the Holy Fathers of the Church, that, and in particular John Paul II, as well as uh, many other avenues within the Church itself that have pointed towards the importance of this particular type of deliverance ministry work within the body. Yes, it was a, it was a delight to, to spend the time to pull all that material together and just uh, see how uh, far back it goes. I mean, of course, to the New Testament, but in the early, uh, early Church, uh, it was normal for lay people to pray and, and see people set free from demonic influence as they were evangelizing and spreading the gospel. You mentioned the early church and that this was a common practice. This was just something that they did. Part of the spiritual life is to be able to help others be freed from these things. What happened? What, how did we lose this type of activity within the body of Christ? Well, it's, it's a long story, but uh, just briefly, there was abuses, which there is today. And the church needed to protect protect uh, the people from abuses. And so gradually with the clericalization of the church and bringing things into an order for the, uh, for the body of Christ, for the, for the broader church, it started to become identified with the church's official ministry. First they had an order of exorcism, and then eventually it, uh, through time, developed into a, a rite of exorcism. But it wasn't... Uh, and all that development, there was never a time which said, you know, this is limited to the role of the clergy. Um, it was just a, a way of providing for the church, uh, for the people of God, through the ministry of the church. But it was never intended to restrict evangelization and the proclamation of the gospel with power uh, that we see in the New Testament and we see in the early church. and we've seen down through the ages. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about the unbound model. That is the the training that you have done. And again, as you bring forward in resisting the devil, a Catholic perspective on deliverance, Uh, how did that become something that became your life's work? I had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus in January of 1970. and, And all that I learned as a 
as a child started to become real to me. And from that point on, I was involved in evangelization. And when you're helping people to know the Lord in a personal way and commit their lives to Him, you run into stuff. And so through the years, I've always tried to help people. And then there's been my own process of conversion and being set free and overcoming things that I carried. So through the years, I, I, I just wanted to help people. During the years in praying for people, one of the only forms of deliverance that I knew about was a confrontational form, mm -hmm. which was if you pray for inner healing, the person's not healed, maybe they need deliverance. So you get together with them and you begin to rebuke evil spirits, and often you would see manifestations of evil. Mm -hmm. And uh, yet I was never really comfortable with that. I, was never, I never found it to be real, long-term successful. I mean, in some cases it was, but in general, I just, uh, I was troubled by the whole approach. And I'm sure it's fine for other people, but it wasn't, it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 86, I found a few things that put together everything we learned uh, so that we could approach deliverance in what I would call a non-confrontational way, where we're really engaging the person uh, to take hold of their freedom, knowing that they have... Uh, been given freedom, that's their inheritance as believers, uh, through their baptism and through faith, and we just we just walk with them and help them take hold of that freedom through uh, a process we call uh, the five keys. Mm. Well, and you help to explain that model and those five keys in the book. Uh, the first key, of course, is repentance and faith, and uh, again, that's so scriptural, uh, as far as we do, we, that's opening our hearts up to grace when we do repent. Uh, that's, that's right. When Jesus start, came, he came proclaiming the kingdom of God, and he said, repent and believe the good news. And for us, repentance and faith are connected because it's, uh, we're just not turning from sin. We're just not turning from the world. We're turning towards God and receiving his grace and his love. So it's... Uh, it's a, it's a real it's a real conversion, and and ongoing confession of sin and repentance is ongoing conversion, and uh, and it's that uh, conversion that's the basis for our freedom, and everything else that we would do, and in, in the five keys it's based on our greatest deliverance, which is coming to know the Lord. Yeah, especially in that, that loving embrace that happens when we do uh, repent, I mean, that chronicle of the, the prodigal son where uh, we realize that we need to come home to the Father, but part of it is realizing what we've done and also seeking forgiveness mm -hmm. for those acts that we've committed and also accepting uh, the, you know, the fact that we're forgiven. It, it, it's... Uh, it, it, those two, those the first two steps are so gospel oriented mm -hmm. that it, it helps to uh, create that disposition in one's heart, doesn't it? Uh, yes. Um, the second key is really we really focus on giving forgiveness, which is which is based in the fact that we have been forgiven. Uh, you know, like the unmerciful servant, he was forgiven for an unpayable debt, and uh, and then he went out and he. He couldn't forgive his fellow servant for a few bucks, you know. So we have been we have been forgiven for an unpayable debt, nothing we could have ever. It's a gift of grace, and uh, and so we have the foundation 
from which to forgive others that have uh, have hurt us or harmed us. Now, the following three keys in this this five key uh, model and the unbound model of deliverance is that key of renunciation. Now that this is where I, I think the average Catholic and maybe even the average Christian as a whole doesn't appreciate the power that comes in that renunciation. Yeah, um, well, renunciation is a is a gift that we have been given. We know that from the third and fourth century, you know, approaching uh, baptism, the, the candidates renounce, renounce the enemy, renounce the world, and renounce the devil. And uh, at baptism, we we still echo that, and in the renewal of our baptismal vows, when we said we renounce Satan and all of his works and all of his empty promises, and yet that the, that renunciation can be very specific. Uh, it, it, there's a general way of, of saying it, but we can renounce our enemies. Uh, for instance, if we are overcome with worry and uh, we found, feel we're bound by worry, anxiety, and fear, we can renounce that. I can say, in the name of Jesus, I renounce worry uh, and stand against it and uh, and take authority over it. And now, now you could say, well, isn't worry just an emotion? Well, it could be just an emotion from our uh, unruly flesh and uh, disordered emotions, but that's the uh, place where the enemy will usually first attack us in terms of our emotions and our imaginations. And if we remain in in that uh, that situation where we're believing in in the anxiety and the fear more than we're believing in the love of God and more than we're trusting in Christ, uh, we make a home for for worry, and it's a, it can be a spiritual oppression as well as a a, a disordered emotion. And that renunciation really is a, an important act of our will. And to be able to have the strength to do that, you really need to do the first two steps to obtain that grace of, of just that repentance. You've been forgiven. He pours in the grace. You're able to stand. But, but these are steps that if you don't take one, the first two, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, to do number three. Yeah, and, and the, the other part of renunciation is that a lot of times things are hidden from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, things are so familiar to us that we would not think of re- renouncing. Uh, and for example, um, we've prayed with a number of people, and when we've asked them uh, to renounce the lie that um, something's wrong with them, or it's always their fault, mm-hmm. um, that... Uh, it's been something with them for years and years and years, just kind of in the back of their thoughts, but they've never just said it out loud. And just by identifying what they've been believing and carrying for many years and naming it, and uh, and you know we have uh, we have uh, there's this power in the spoken word, and when we name it and we speak in the name of Christ. Um, we can break the power of these lies. And, and part of it is exposing it to the light and bringing it out and realizing uh, this thought that I've been having is not just my thought. It's, it's what the enemy's plan is for my life. Mm-hmm. So somebody might be, um, uh, you know, thinking of themselves as a failure or worthless. Uh, yeah, so somebody that's been abused often 
carries with them a spirit of worthlessness. Uh, and, uh, and just naming it and just exposing it and saying it uh, can break that power and then they can, they can go and receive what uh, God has given them uh, through their conversion, uh, what the Holy Spirit has already brought to them in terms of freedom they can take hold of it. The renunciation is really important. I've had numbers of priests tell me that, you know, after hearing our teaching, they've, they've uh, added renunciation in the, in the sacrament of reconciliation and where they've advised their uh, the penitent to go home and renounce these things if they, if, you know, feel like they want to. And, and there's been just great fruit from it. Yeah. Again, naming that, bringing that forward in, in many ways, you know, I, those the first three steps are so important for our own, for ourselves. We recognize and see what's going on inside of ourselves and God's grace in there trying to clean that up. Then it, it brings us to that fourth key of taking authority in Jesus's name. And that, again, I mean, at the, at the really key, at the, at the kernel of deliverance ministry, this taking authority, that's when you encounter Whatever's left over and whatever's left over might be that demonic activity that's causing a lot of that anxiety and, and pain and, and harm to one's soul and to one's well-being. Yeah, that, that's, um, now sometimes, uh, you know, when, when people come to us and the way we train people to pray with others using the five keys is we, we spend time listening to them and then we lead them through the first three keys as we've discussed. And then when it comes, to, and sometimes when people renounce something, they're, they're free. They, they know something lifted, they feel free. Other times it's at that point uh, of command where they come to the realization that the power uh, of, of any spirit that has been holding them in these patterns of, uh, these uh, patterns of belief or emotion where they couldn't break free uh, they experience freedom. They experience like, you know, who they really are as sons and daughters of God. And that's really what it's all about in terms of uh, having authority, is knowing that we really are sons and daughters of the Father and that we carry His authority and that we don't need to be afraid. It's just, there's just too much uh, fear associated with the devil. Um, God is so much bigger than the devil, and um, most of the fear that's associated with with the demonic is, is based on uh, a misunderstanding of the gospel and the power that has been given to us in Christ. So when we uh, take authority, uh, we give a command. That, well, what I would say is that we break the power of any spirit because we don't really know that they're all spirits or every spirit that I have renounced and I command it to leave me now. And so it's, um, it's the breaking the power of the lie, breaking the power of the spiritual oppression, and just commanding it to leave me. And, uh, and uh, at that point, you know, when we're ministering to somebody, uh, they will uh, generally have a, either a sense of, uh, of freedom or uh, lifting. They feel lighter. They feel taller. They feel, uh, you know, mm -hmm. different different ways it's been described. 
or something will come to their mind. What are you thinking about? Well, I'm thinking about my mother. I'm thinking about, you know, uh, this thing that I didn't share about. And and that thing that comes up usually leads to uh, the pathway to, to liberation. Mm. And freedom. As you were speaking, I was thinking of those types of encounters that uh, so many of us have heard, you know, the, the battles that Padre Pio and St. John Vianney and many others that have chronicled encounters with diabolical, but their situation is is very different than what the average person would experience, isn't it, Neil? Absolutely, and that's one of the one of the issues we we read about what the saints and the mystics have encountered, and they've encountered it in accordance with the grace that was given to them and God's purpose in their life, and um, it's very different than what we uh, what we deal with and struggle with every day, and I think by I think the enemy has a plan in getting us to be focused on the, the spectacular or the, uh, the major manifestations or the exorcisms, and, and it robs us from the ability of just knowing that we, we're in spiritual warfare all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, both with the flesh, with uh, our fallen nature, and with uh, spirits that uh, want to oppress us or, and, uh, and obsess us. Uh, coming into obsession, holding an area of our life in bondage if they can. Much more damage is done to the body of Christ through that subtle attack that's done to the heart through our own sinfulness and that than in those uh, dramatic, you know, tales of you know, type of devil encounters. It's, a, it's in not dealing with the everyday that actually is more harmful in so many ways. Right, right. And uh, so we need to daily seek the Lord, and uh, we need to daily confess our sins and turn to the Lord. And um, and when we, we we get oppressed, when we feel like, you know, for instance, uh, something happens and you feel rejected by it, and you say to yourself, okay, I got, okay, this happened, so what's the big deal? Well, the big deal might be that you were rejected as a child, and it's time to deal with it. And so things happen in our lives that repeat. Uh, Experiences repeat. Feelings repeat. And that's the grace of God, and it's the opportunity to deal with things, uh, foundational things in our lives, as well as the, the daily thing that comes up. And if we, you know, like, that's one of the way, reasons we teach the five keys, so that everyone can be equipped uh, to, to deal with things, or to at least know, hey, this is how I can bring it to somebody else and ask for prayer. Mm. Yeah, that, that blocking that occurs, it, it hinders our ability at wholeness, which, it, you know, when you take the term to the, to the fullness, is holiness, it gets in our way of becoming who God has created us to be, that receptacle of grace that can, so we can be fully his and receive that fatherly blessing that you talk about in the, in the fifth key. Yeah, I'd love to talk about the fifth key. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's the Father's blessing. And um, I believe that our, our full healing is, and the fullness of freedom is found as we identify with Jesus' the Son and come to the Father. 
you know, when I uh, first had an encounter with the Lord, I, I experienced Him as my Savior, and then I quickly uh, uh, came to know Him as Lord, and, and I realized that over over all these uh, 40 years of trying to follow Him, uh, Jesus has been revealing Himself as the Son, so that I can, uh, so that He could bring me to the Father, and um, and see the, the attack of the enemy always has to do with our identity and our life's purpose or our destiny. Uh, we see that in the Gospels when Jesus was was attacked by the enemy in, in the desert when he was fasting, and the devil said, "If you are God's son." And then again on the way to Jerusalem, you know, where Peter said. Uh, you know, God forbid this should happen to you. So we have the enemy attacking Jesus about his identity, and we have the enemy attacking Jesus about his life's purpose to go to Jerusalem to suffer and die and and uh, be the Lamb of God. And so we um, we see the in such such deep importance of being able to identify with Jesus as the Son. And knowing that you're in Him, knowing that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that cries out in you, Abba, Father, and brings you before the Father to bring you the fullness of freedom and healing. Um, you know, I, I believe that the, the greatest wound that we've, uh, that most people have suffered is the father wound. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people want to change God into mother or want to, want to change the terms, but it robs them. It robs them of the healing that we we, we so desperately need. Is we, we need to come to the Father, be known by Him, and to have our identity as children of God affirmed. And the fact that He believes in us and has a purpose for our life that we can f- fulfill uh, by living the life of His Son. It's just the... Uh, so I, I, I tell people, everything we do up to here in the... Five keys all leads to this. It all leads to removing the obstacles so that we can come before the Father in the Son and discover really who we are. Beautiful. Uh, I just think this is such an important work. It has it really touched my life in a very personal way, Neil, and I'm, I'm so glad we're able to bring it forward. It's called Resisting the Devil, A Catholic Perspective on Deliverance by Neil Lozano. And as we conclude, any final thoughts, Neil? Oh, I just, uh, as I prepared for this time, I was just praying for those that would listen that uh, that the Lord's love and compassion would come to them and uh, and bring hope where there's uh, hopelessness and uh, bring bring faith where there's uh, where there's trouble. Trust mm-hmm. in the Lord. Oh, amen, amen to that beautiful prayer. Neil Lozano, thank you so much, and uh, we'll make sure that we get the word out where they can receive the book as well as uh, the website and the, the work that you're doing in the Heart of the Father Ministries. It's just, it's just beautiful. Thank you. We've been going inside the pages of Neil Lozano's book, Resisting the Devil, a Catholic Perspective on Deliverance Ministry. Neil's book can be found at heartofthefathers.com, the website for Heart of the Father's Ministry. Or you can find the book at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and download this discussion, along with many others, please visit www.insidethepages.com. I'm Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.